I first started YouTube, I joined a whole bunch of groups because that's what every that's what everybody does. But then I was I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, when I when I do this, I'm not getting very much engagement, or sometimes my posts will get taken down if they don't meet the specific rules of that group. And I finally was like, I want my own space. And now that I have my own space, I control the narrative and I can decide how it runs. And it has helped my channel grow a lot. So I would highly recommend to people they create their own, you know, subscriber funnel essentially, like their own space so they can funnel people to their channel. If that intro does not make you want to start a Facebook group that literally takes those people who are in the group, funnels them to a YouTube channel, nothing will. In this latest episode of Content Creators Library, we talked to Ad, which you just heard. This whole episode, we talked about a lot of things, but I think the main key here is his Facebook group. We interview every Friday someone in the youtube community and try to learn and just just tell their journey you know things that worked or not his facebook group obviously worked he's getting people to his channel so we tried to figure out what worked what didn't work and to let them tell us their tips and tricks along the way so as the audience we can learn from that there's one last thing the last 30 seconds i have like two questions i'm gonna put in a google drive document about starting a facebook group for this specific topic about monetizing your audience, leveraging your audience, fixing problems that your audience has for money. Because as content creators, you do not have to wait till you're monetized. You don't have to wait till you have 4,000 watch hours, 1,000 subscribers to make money, to, to fix people's problems, to bring value to somebody. Well, that's the elevator pitch. Make sure you enjoy the show. Let's get started. What's your name and everything? What's your channel is about? So my name's Adam and... My last name is Malore. A lot of people call me Miller. It's pretty funny, you know, but actually my name, it's like, has like German and French roots. So anyway, and my YouTube channel, is the same name, just Adam Malore. You can find me easily. I'm the first one when you search me into YouTube and I do like, you know, YouTube tips content, but I kind of have an emphasis on self-development. I've always been about, you know, success and helping people succeed. And I feel a lot of it's really connected. And in my niche, I don't see a lot of people connecting the two. It's like just YouTube tips. And I'm like, I think there's more here. So that's what I do. That's cool. Yeah, I think a lot of it is connected. Just as you see it in life or a business, you need to know all this really to put it together and become you know, who you want to be. Oh yeah, because it all relates. I mean, you know, if like your stuff in your personal life isn't working, it doesn't matter how important your channel is or your job or anything. It's going to bleed over into your job or vice versa, you know? Yeah. There's someone who said his name is Russell Brunson and he, he says always like, there's always like, there's, of course there's ups and downs. Like maybe your business is killing it, but like your fitness could be totally sucking. Yeah. And I think it's funny. People forget there's four quadrants, you know, of our lives. There's like the spiritual, emotional, you know, physical, intellectual, and oh, I guess emotional will be the last one. And it's like, people will do great, you know, with their business, but forget all about their personal relationships and it's just falling apart and, and it starts affecting their business versus just working in each of the quadrants just a little bit, you know? Oh, so when, when did you start this? Like when, when did this become, or when did you get to, everybody starts usually most, like most people I interview with, like how they started, it's like where it's at now and where it was in the beginning, it's like completely different. So what was your beginning? So I started back in April of 2020. So like right before, right in the pandemic, but for me, it had nothing to do with the pandemic. The pandemic only made it easier. It was 
you know, I just loved the engagement. I still miss it, honestly, because, you know, everybody was home just, you know, trying to figure out how to grow on YouTube and things like that. But for me, I started as a self-development channel because, you know, I saw the opportunity to use YouTube to grow as a person. And so I started making that content and I was like, hmm, I need to give people more of a reason to watch this. So I tried to, you know, mix in, you know, more practical information. And it was kind of neat to talk about what I was learning too, you know, so the pandemic, you know, at that time, my wife was going to school and I was just kind of holding the fort down and, and I needed something to, you know, kind of distract me a little bit and some sort of creative, you know, hobby. And so I just, you know, I was, I'd been wanting to do it for a while and I finally just pulled the trigger and did it, you know, cause I'd been thinking about it for a couple of years. I just hadn't worked up the courage to do it, you know? Yeah. And so I finally just like, forget this, I'm doing this, you know? Just did it. How did you stay? Were you, was your job from home? Then? No, actually, I, I, I do full-time IT work, but I, I was able to work at home like every other day. And so it made YouTube easier. Yeah, yeah. I like Gary Vee. He has, a, he, I mean, who Gary Vee is, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, uh, he has like a video where it's like, don't, don't, don't like create, like document. And like, you, like you're literally just documenting like your journey along the way. And that's like what he says. And I know someone else like follows that like hundred percent. Like they like they're just documenting their journey. Yeah. I mean I I think that's basically what I've been doing. It's like mine yeah. is my story of my growth. And you can see it because I leave the old cringy videos up that are just terrible. And and I just think it's part of the process, you know, because I'm growing and I need to be able to see that I'm growing because I can watch my old stuff and eesh. and I, I think you know, people want something to follow. They want to, you know, but we do that when we read a book or when we, you know, watch just TV series, you know, we're following something and it's just exciting. And I hate it when people pretend to be perfect and just, you know, there's, they won't, they hide their old stuff and they won't, you know, have anything for you to follow. It's just the, the perfect stuff. And that's just not how life is. Yeah. I like looking at first, if you're gone, even like from the interview or anything, I'm always like looking at the first videos because I just think it's, it's cringy, but I, I like love that stuff to see where like someone went when they make their first videos and they're making like, like fixing their house or something, you know, and now they're doing like, you know, like it's completely different, but it's funny to see them like being all awkward. So you're, you had a video about the rubber band theory, which I know is from a book. Tell us what that theory is and where, where, where it come from, like the book. Well, actually the, the reason I decided to make the video was I was actually talking to uh another guy and he brought it up and I wasn't familiar with it from the way that I primarily focused on explaining it, but it's, it's the idea of, you know, we don't always have people's buy-in to what we're doing, but if we stay consistent and we just keep doing what we know we need to be doing, people see that behavior and eventually they see the results that come from it and they start to be more willing to support us. So it's like, usually where we have this instinct to just convince people, you know, this is what you should be doing. But I try to resist that urge because I can still live what I know. And as people see that, then they might be willing to jump aboard, you know, versus just pushing them away by nagging them until they lose their mind. And I, I'm not perfect at it, but I have seen it work when I can, you know, show forth the discipline to apply it. So it's very powerful. Yeah. It's like the whole document thing where you just keep doing your thing and people will be, be attracted to it because you're, you're failing too and you're getting better. And it's, it all just, the lines together really 
Yeah, because I, I mean, I see a lot of people that are basically on my Facebook group, but they're afraid to start YouTube, like they're or they're not really starting. And I'm just like, it's okay, you don't have to be perfect, keep going, you know, because like, you'll learn as you do it, you know, and you'll get you'll get there one day. Well, I mean, one area where you can see this concept is the book Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. And, you know, in that book, it's more about like when you need to pull away and get some space from your partner and they need to allow you to do that in order to get the space that you need so that you can essentially miss them and want to come back. You know, it's that balance in life, the ebb and flow. And sometimes it can be hard to let somebody else pull away, but you need to let them do that because we all need our space. This book, like if... No one's ever read. The, I never. I, I might finish with it, but I started to read it, and it like explains like a lot of men, men and women like behavior, and like how how men will like go in like caves as we sulk. I don't know as we try to deal with our problems, but women are like, "What's wrong? What's you know?" Like that's how they they help, but men are like, "Nah, we're just let me just just deal with this myself." But then women are more expressive, where it's like. Even like today, my wife asked about a question or something. She needs help with it. It's like a basic question, you know, but I'm like, she's doing it just because that's how she goes through this. That's how females, you know, they, how they explain themselves. They, they want to project, you know, what, what their problems are. And men are like complete opposite. Yeah. Well, in some ways, she, she might even be trying to essentially express love without even thinking about it. She wants you to be involved in her process of solving a problem or finding an answer. You know? And you're, you know, you and I, we probably think way differently. I mean, I'm, I'm all about having my own space. I basically, I was like, I have to have a room in the house that is mine to control or I will lose my mind, you know, <laughs> and this is it. This is my man cave. So man cave, yeah. and I, I literally kicked my kid out. I'm like, you, you know, sorry, you're getting downgraded. <laughs> this is my, yeah. room. you know, cause I needed my space. You know, how, how am I supposed to do this without any space? Yeah. It's just not the same. Yeah. But it's fun. It's a good book. It just explains all that. I mean, like, I think I've. Like I know, know this, but then like when, when you read it and someone spent the time to make it, it's like, okay, this is like, this is just in my mind. This is like crystal clear. This is like, I don't know. Everybody should probably just read the book. Yeah. Well, on one side, you've got to articulate these concepts so that you're really aware of them. But then also I think it's powerful to read with your spouse because then they, you know, they're aware of it. Cause like my wife is super good with this stuff now. She lets me schedule time to be in my cave, if you want to call it that, you know, when I need to pull away, I'm just like, Hey, I need a break. And she understands. And she lets me go, you know, cause she knows I'll come back, you know? And it's just, it's nice having her know it so that I don't have to fight for it all the time. I think they both should listen to it because then she can see her side or see hers from her, see our side. Cause then now I can see her side. Why maybe she, I don't use word complaint, but you know, it's, says what's going on and stuff when i'm just like i, I wouldn't say any of that type of stuff it's funny yeah. cause it's like one of the things is i don't remember how to say it but it was like when men when men talk it's to like if i have a problem i say the problem but when women talk it's like they're just saying oh my bad my day was bad this and that and they're saying just to get it out to get it out yeah. to let you hear it and guys are just like well the day went fine with i mean what am i supposed to talk about like the day was fine right like i don't <laughs> it's just so funny i think it's funny well, what I think is powerful is I, the first time I applied it, my, my wife was upset and I just let her talk and she expressed her feelings and it kept getting worse and worse. I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, cause you feel this, this urge to fix it. 
And then she finished and felt so much better and was just so loving towards me. I'm like, I didn't do anything for you. I just sat here, you know, like I did nothing, but it was meaningful to her. And I have gone through the same process with her over and over again. And every time she's just as grateful. And it's it, everything inside me is screaming like fix the problem, oh, but she gosh. doesn't want the she doesn't want the problem fixed. She wants she wants to be with me, you know. Yeah, and she'll figure out on her own her own way, you know. Yeah, and yeah, so, that's the other thing, guys. We just want to fix problems, and like you're saying, literally, it's like, well, you should talk to your manager, get that fixed, and it's like, you even listening to me? Yes, I'm listening to you. What are you talking about? But they don't want that. Like exactly what you're saying, they just want to I want you to listen. Oh, so you have your, so what was this video that just came out right now? You just, it just come out today? Oh, it was yesterday. I made my 500 subscriber milestone video. Oh, geez. That's cool. It'll be interesting to see how that performs. I made it differently. It's very, I've tried to make it as fast paced as possible. I mean, the, the analytics are good, but it, you know, you never know. I mean, yeah. trying out different video formats, see what people like, you know? It looks like it's going to have more views than the rubber band. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's a hotter topic, and the audience retention is great on the video, and the click-through rate's good. So hopefully, it starts to pick up. But videos are kind of like a cup of tea; they take a while to, you know, be ready. You know. Yeah, these people will post in groups. It'll be like six months later, it popped off or something. You know. I kind of I wonder if YouTube earmarks videos and then waits to release them when it's best for them, like on the algorithm, I mean, you know, cause it's their platform. They're trying to make money, trying to keep people watching. So they probably make decisions is what I'm guessing. Yeah. It's weird. The whole, how they, how the whole algorithm works. Like there's no way to, I mean, you can probably explain it, but just how it's just a bunch of computers and numbers going together. It makes, you know, it's just weird. Well, it's funny cause you can have a great metrics for your video and still not get you know have it perform the way you want like you can have people watching and clicking and still just have it just sit there you know <laughs> so it, there's more to it than just than just that you know you can i mean you can see like channels that are like people are commenting like you should be bigger this and that because they're like this great video and it's like you you care they're the one watching obviously it's not they're at 800 subscribers there's like dude you're posting like like you're at 50,000 subscribers or something. Like you got this stuff in order and it just doesn't, maybe it will pick up, but right now it's like, it's just not happening. What I think is scary is actually the flip side. There's a couple of channels that I, I've been watching and checking out that like, you know, you got a hundred thousand subscribers, but you're getting like, you know, 500 views to a video. And I'm like, that's not a great ratio, honestly, in my book. You know, I know the algorithm's not based off of subscribers anymore. It's more just views yeah. come from pleasing the algorithm, but still... I, I, um, I hope to not be in that place to have like a somewhat of a, a dead channel in the future. You know, it's got to keep that engagement level high. You know? And the worst part is sometimes like I have good, I think solid theories as to why they have these problems, but they're not going to listen to me. You know, it's like, yeah, nobody's watching your 30 minute video. You know, it's too long or whatever, you know, like try making a shorter video. No wonder your views are down, you know, or whatever the problem is. Yeah, that's, that's too long. I like my first couple of videos. And I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm like, just like right here, like this, this crappy camera. I'm talking for like five minutes. And I'm like, this is boring as hell. This is boring. It's, there's nothing. It's black. I had this, like you have something in the back. Like there's something going on. It's just, there's this. Some depth. Like, yeah, but you know, I had to know that I had to, you have to do that. You have to suck to see that and get better at it. 
oh, I did the same thing. My first videos, uh, a lot of them were just like against a flat surface. Um, and some of them were in nature that created a whole nother set of problems, but you know, you just kind of learn as you go. You have to test things out. Yeah. How did you record it outside? You sat at your laptop or something? No, actually I had a, I had a camera and a mic, but I just, I could never get the background noise out and you know, the wind and people coming around and just, oh, so many problems. And I didn't know how to speak on camera either. So that didn't help. Yeah. Yeah. What did people say when you were? Oh, I'd actually, I've been very blessed not to get a lot of mean comments, you know, in comparison to how many I could have gotten, but I think people just don't comment. They just leave. And you you can usually see in your analytics, you're like, oh, I guess that wasn't a good video. Um, What's maybe some advice since you talk about, you know, more like YouTube growth, would you give somebody, you know, as whatever, like, like 50 subscribers or something? Well, I guess if I could go back, I would, I would tell you that, you know, you should practice making a lot of videos, but you don't necessarily need to put them online. Like do a video, show some people that, you know, care about you and will give you honest feedback and just ask for, you know, them to tell you what's wrong with the video and they'll point things out and you'll be like, oh, and so just go redo the video. And then once you're getting a positive reaction from your close family and friends, then it's ready to go online. And I think it's funny too. It's like, you need to make a lot of videos to figure out the way that you like to create content, but you don't necessarily need to put them all online, you know? And, and so, cause they aren't necessarily helping you grow, you know? And like, it, it's taken me almost two years to figure out how I like to film videos, but I finally figured out a simple setup that I actually like. And, you know, I probably could have figured it out quicker if I just focused on it made videos, showed them to people, gotten a lot of critical feedback and then realized, okay, these are the problems, you know? I think feedback, yeah, you know, so feedback is so crucial with anything, like whatever, any podcasting, whatever. It's like, if you just ask somebody who someone knows you and they'll just tell you like, yeah, it's trash or, or you know, what, what's, what's the problem is. And it would completely change. Cause if you have to look on yourself, that's, that can be hard to, to know what's wrong, you know, cause you're not, you're just, you're just, I don't know, you're just filming it. It's hard to tell, but when you ask somebody and you're like, twitching or something weird, you know, something weird that you don't even know. Like, oh my gosh, that does look stupid. We're super biased towards our own content too. Like, oh, this video is amazing. And it's like, no, it isn't, you know? And when you start editing videos after you've been doing this for a while, you'll notice stuff. Like I just did a really great interview and I was picking up on just a little thing they were doing over and over again. And it's like, oh, I bet you that's not helping, but you know, it's the way it is. You know, we all have nervous habits and things like that. Yeah. Cause I know earlier I had a, I had a, like my last podcast episode, I noticed I was, it was like a 13 minute episode and it could have been like five minutes. I kept repeating the same thing over and over again. I'm like, oh gosh, this is, then I, I just released it cause it was already like too late. So I released it and I'm like, okay, I have like notes now. Like when I make my other, like other, like not like this, but like solo episodes, like, okay, say what I want to say and then go to the next thing. I'm like. Cause I just kept repeating myself over and over. Like, oh gosh, no one's going to listen to this. I wouldn't want to listen to it. Yeah. Oh, and you, you bring up a good point essentially about like an upload schedule. I wish I would have understood how, I mean, how impractical that is unless you do this full time and you've already got the skills and it's like, this is all you do. I mean, if all you did was a podcast, like you had no, nothing else on the side, then, you know, it might be worth redoing stuff and making sure it's right and making sure it's out on time. But a lot of us, 
like YouTube is part of our lives. And so we need to have some flexibility with when we upload videos and just upload them when they're ready. When I first started, it was like, I'm going to do it once a week. And that just, I haven't uploaded since. But it was like, you know, like, what if I, so if I start this channel again, I maybe I should do it just say like twice a month, like very simple. It could be, maybe it's today. It could be six days from now, but like, I'm just saying twice a month. Like that's much easier than saying every week on Wednesday or something. And you're still putting out content, but it's more when it's done for you, you know? Yeah. Well, people will also forget that consistency can be defined different ways. Like if you yeah. uploaded once a month, every month on the first, that's still consistent, even if it's not every week. And so your subscribers can still get used to that. And during the pandemic and such, I uploaded consistently every week and it did help my channel grow because they got used to it. What I didn't like was uploading videos when they weren't ready or when I wasn't absolutely happy with them. And so I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I want to like my own videos. You have your, I didn't even know you have a Facebook group, which has like over 2000, is it over two? Yeah. I, I didn't even, I think I saw your name then like admin. I'm like, oh my gosh. I just, I didn't put two and two together. Cause I'm in like 10 groups. I can't, there's so many names. Are you like, are you like a moderator at some other group or anything? No, actually. So I, when I first started YouTube, I had joined a whole bunch of groups cause that's what every, that's what everybody does. But then I was, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, when I, when I do this, I'm not getting very much engagement or sometimes my posts will get taken down if they don't meet the specific rules of that group. And I finally was like, I want my own space. And now that I have my own space, I control the narrative and I can decide how it runs and it has helped my channel grow a lot. So I would highly recommend to people they create their own, you know, subscriber funnel, essentially like their own space so they can funnel people to their channel. Yeah. How did you, how do you do that? I mean, like I saw it, but how do you, so I know you'd post like, Hey, here's my 500, you know, do you need to grow to 500 subscribers? Whatever it is. Like how, how did you, how do you say that? In a way, it doesn't come out too spammy, but still gets people to click it, click your video. Thing. Like, what, what do you post every day or every everything? Well, what I've learned is if I if I just post my video, I get very little engagement. But if I ask a question, trying to get other people to talk, I can present. I can create an environment where I can present my channel as possibly like a solution to their problem or give them a reason to watch. And so I'll usually create posts that are purely designed for engagement and it works now. I mean, I made a post the other day, I got 80 comments within just a few hours and I was like, oh my gosh. And now each of those people, I can treat it just like I would on my YouTube channel. I can, you know, reply to those comments. And if it makes sense in the conversation, I can be like, hey, check out my 500 subscriber milestone video. And now there's a reason that they're gonna be more likely to check it out. And I can do that because it's my own group. I can put my channel wherever I want, you know, cause I'm the admin. and that's the problem that you run into with other groups is you're not the admin. And so you can get, you know, your comment removed, your post removed or whatever, you know? And so, yeah, it's it, on the group. It's all about engagement. That's how I formulate my posts. And I'm using the same strategy on my community tab with my YouTube channel. I mean, I would love to promote videos that I think are great, but I want the engagement because that's what it's for. And so I ask about my subscribers and that way I get to learn about them. And at least there's something to work with. Cause once they comment, I have a way to reply back, you know? And so it's all about that engagement. Yeah. I think to ask the question, I do the exact same thing when it comes to like, like if I comment on something, if you just say like, that's cool, good job. No, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. When you say, Hey, what's your channel? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Just whatever. Just, you know, what camera do you use? Like 
you ask the question, most people are going to answer back. And if it makes sense, like, well, hey, I have this podcast episode. It's about, you know, whatever it is, right? But like, yeah, I think asking a question is like game changer. You, even I don't have group, but I just want you just want to ask a question. You get so much more feedback. And now they respond to you. You build a little, you know, back and forth and it's crazy. Like you have 80 comments. If you just said, here's my video, you, you'd get seven likes. That's what would happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's and here's the power is because like, all these people that have joined my group, or a lot of them, they, they allow the posts from that group to, to be in their actual Facebook feed. And so as it grows, I'll be able to make a post of any type and it's going to appear in front of more people's Facebooks. And so it's just an incredibly powerful tool to like broadcast whatever I want. And if I create it in a way designed to get engagement, then it just opens this world of, of ways to you know, contact people and to you know, being like, Hey, <laughs> yeah, you want to see this? And I just think it's cool. And it's awesome too, because you can help people and meet people. I mean, it's how I met you through the group, you know? Yeah. And, and when the podcast is over, I'll find some way to create a post designed to get engagement to really right. get people to be interested in checking out your podcast. You know, maybe I'll ask like, do you listen to podcasts? And people will say yes yeah. or no. And like, well, we're about to change this because you need to listen to this one. There you go. Done. Yeah, see, you couldn't do that. I, I mean, I, you know, stupid me from before would be like, oh, podcast episode. I'd post it. Hey, check it out. I mean, I've been banned from like two groups because I was just stupid. I don't, you know, I don't do that now. I don't ever even make posting more usually. I just comment now, but I would like do podcasts for YouTubers. Click, you know, and they'd ban you, which I get because it's, it's straight up promotion. You know, you know, you're making me think of, there's this one other group that I follow that I really like. And the way the person started the group was, I think it was essentially individual invites. Like he, you know, he found specific people he wanted to invite into his community and then he didn't allow any links. And the engagement rate on that group was super high because people were posting like questions and, you know, things that would start discussions or thumbnails. But there were, if you wanted to see like a video, you needed to ask for it or something like that. There was that just direct, just check out my video. Cause we can all do that when we search on YouTube you know, we can find videos and whatever we're interested in. And I was like, wow, the engagement rate was just through the roof with that group. And the only disadvantage I think in that strategy is his group is growing slower than mine is because it's almost essentially a person by person invite. Whereas my group, I allow anybody to join and I just remove people that become a problem. And so it grows a lot faster, but then I have to manage the level of spam on the group, you know? You have links on yours? Like where you can post a link, like get like, you know what I mean? Like a YouTube, like anybody. Yeah. I allow people to share links. I, so my group, I, I realized when I first started YouTube, how frustrating it was that either I would join a group and I couldn't post or promote myself in any way whatsoever. It was like just questions, which I was like, okay, that's only moderately helpful. Or, you know, you'd post on a group and there was literally no engagement. It was just a dumping pile. Oh. And so what I did was like, I want a place where people can promote themselves, but I'm going to force them to say why. Like I often will be like, why are you sharing this? What value do you offer? You know, how, how does this benefit me? And I try to share that message and it creates a little bit of a better environment, you know, because people ask themselves, well, why should people watch my video? And then they make better videos. So people will watch their videos. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. How, how, how many, when did you start it? I started about the same time as my YouTube channel. And what's funny is it grew faster than my YouTube channel. Actually, it's like at 2,000, isn't it? Yeah, almost 3,000. Oh, so, yeah. It's, it's working. 
Well, people love it too, because something I do differently is actually directly promote other people's content on the group, because I would want somebody to do that for me. And people love it. So I'll be like, you know, sell me on why I should, you know, promote your channel. People will, and then I will promote some of these channels on the group and people will just love it. And so you get super um, loyal members of the group, you know, and I just think it's, it's kind of also in line with my, you know, mission. I want to help people. So I use it as a tool to do that. And I feel satisfied too, as a creator. Yeah. That's a smart idea. It's because you posted one about, I can't remember. It was an older guy though. You literally was like, Hey, check out this video. It's about blah, blah, blah. You know? Oh, so how, so when, when you need help about YouTube or, or anything like that, where do you go? What I love is Twitter because you can contact anybody through Twitter very easily. And it, it's more or less pretty darn appropriate because that's the way that platform runs. And so for example, like Roberto Blake, you know, he's a big creator in my niche, very easy to contact. He will talk to you. He will review your channel, stuff like that. And he will be totally honest. So I, I talk to him all the time and I, you know, I, I don't know, Nick Nimmin's pretty fairly easy to contact through Twitter. You know, there's just a lot of really great creators, you know, and, and so I'll, you know, talk to them or I'll comment on their stuff. And it's how I can get, you know, more direct feedback from somebody that I admire and would trust their advice. And so I usually do that. Yeah. I think like a lot of times, like you don't, like I used to be scared of like DMing somebody. Cause I thought, you know, it's, it's like, it's their private area. You can't just DM people. Forget that. You can, you can, I mean, if they either they'll respond or not, like most people are very nice about it. Like I'll message people on Facebook. Hey, this is blah, blah, blah. And like, no, no one's been like, get the hell away from it. Like no one has said that, you know, yeah. they're, they're, cause most people are nice people. So either they'll just, okay, you know, or they'll actually respond back. And you can do that to anybody. I do think I have noticed with DMs, I think there still is some resistance to replying to them. So I usually comment below their posts, you know, like, because then they, they just, people love comments, you know, but DMs is kind of like, whoa, you know, but I, I still have, you know, used that feature, obviously, you know? Yeah. I think there's a lot of like, I don't want to call them tricks. But, you know, like commenting before, because like on Facebook, they'll see your notification. You comment, you heart, you just keep coming back and forth. They may DM them. They already know you. This, this seems very logical, but like they already know you. So you're not going straight to the DMs. What's your YouTube channel? Like, I'm not giving it to you. Like, what's going on? You know, what, what's, the, what's the ploy? Yeah. But when you already commented back and forth and it comes to this relationship, it's like, yeah, sure, man. Here, here you go. Or, you know, whatever it is, you know. If you say, hey, here's my episode, they would talk about it. They're a lot more likely to respond with it. Thank you, you know, or something positive. Yeah, definitely. Well, I was going to say, I, I think it's also important to pick up on which is the person's desired communication medium. You know, because like I have a friend that, you know, you text him, you never hear back, but you send him a Facebook message, boom, you got him, you know, <laughs> or like in the case of Roberto Blake, if I were to leave a comment on this video, he might reply, he has before, but he might never see it. But if I messaged them on Twitter, I'd hear back from like that. Yeah. And so it just depends on their style, you know? Yeah. He's on there a lot. He's on there. He's very active. All the time. Yeah. I was just saying, I couldn't get anything done if I was that active on Twitter. <laughs> I, they must have, I don't have, I have DMs on, but basically I'll have like just the DMs of everything on, but then the notifications of likes and all that stuff. I have all that off because that stuff will make me go crazy. Like I have to respond, but if someone DMs me, then it's like, they want to talk to me. Yeah. It's fine. But just a like or a good job. 
I'll get back to you, but not, not right now. You know, oh yeah, the likes and the hearts stuff drive me nuts on on Facebook because I get millions of them. I'm like, I, I'm glad you guys love me, but you know, I only want to see your your messages because then I'll reply to them. Hundred percent, that's true. I know someone has. I interviewed someone had like a billion followers on TikTok, and she like, she's like, yeah, there's a point where I hundred percent appreciate what they're doing, but I have nothing on. There's no notifications on. There's nothing because I just can't. You're speaking to too many people at that point. Yeah, besides like a DM or something. Oh, I, I heard yeah. that podcast. That one was amazing. And I, I think it's crazy because technically I'm kind of already there with the Facebook group because I actually caught myself avoiding my Facebook because there's so many messages. I'm like, I'm like, oh man, there's this is good. I mean, I, I did it this morning. I literally didn't get through them. I, I suppose on Facebook for like an hour directly replying to messages, still oh. didn't finish. I was like, I give up, you know. Yeah, it becomes intense. I can't yeah. imagine. Like three thousand people. I mean, I know they're all all in there. What's crazy about like the groups? I, I'm pretty sure they literally Facebook promotes groups like like the same as like a profile. Like I'm in all these groups, I get more group you know messages, something like that. Especially if you like, obviously, it has an algorithm too. But every time I get on, it's like the same. It'll be the same group like when it first shows up because it knows I've been in that group. I've commented. So it just shows it to you. I won't even see other people. If days look up, I won't even see another human talking. I mean, not like a profile talking. Yeah, whatever you engage with, they'll show you more of. So yeah. definitely. Oh, what was maybe like a, a mistake that you made that you thought like this was it? I know what I'm doing. And it completely backfired. One thing that I didn't do as well as I wish I could have was a real great way to grow on YouTube is, or really any platform is just to comment a lot, you know, to talk to people. But unfortunately, you know, like a YouTuber's channel, their videos, the comment sections below, it's their space. And I think sometimes they don't like, even if you're being very positive and, you know, interacting with just other members that are commenting below the video, if they don't like it, you know, if you're messing with their space, you know, then I think I, I, I'm, I've, I'm not sure, but I have theories that I might've kind of pissed a few people off just because, I was in the comment section, you know, getting to know people and I guess passively promoting my channel and it's their space, you know? And, you know, I never, I never did like any crazy spammy stuff, but I still had to learn to respect their space. And so I'm even more careful now how I comment. Like I, if I, even if I see a problem with the video, I just comment something positive because that's what I would want to receive, you know, as nice comments. And so I do the same thing and, you know, I think that's good. I think we've all been spammy when we first start get anything business straight or, you know, YouTube channel. You just, you know, like seeing like a direct message to 50 people on Facebook. I mean, I've never done that. But I know people do stuff like that. It's just like, that's not how you do it, man. That's not, you're just going to piss somebody off. Like that's, not, you know, or drop, you know, like drop your link in at someone's YouTube, someone's comment section or something like what? Yeah. Check me out. No, I'm not checking out. You just, you made it. It's like, Psych like reverse psychology. Check me out. No, thumbs down. I don't like you anymore. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just, it's too. You know, and I get it because we don't. You don't. You know, we get. There's an algorithm. It's like I could tell this person check out my stuff, but they're probably not going to. Unless it creates like so much value or something, and then they, might. yeah, that who knows? They if they could, they could not ever click your stuff and never know. What's maybe what's your like. What's your biggest thing that you've done that has helped your channel? Like maybe 
the group, but. I would say it was just kind of thinking big when it came to ways of promoting my content. Cause like a lot of people, you know, they'll just go straight to a whole bunch of different Facebook groups and they'll just, you know, promote their content in every group. And you can totally get views and subscribers that way. But by creating my own group, you know, I, I took that bigger step. I noticed that, you know, big creators in my niche had their own groups and I was like, okay, so if that's what they're doing, that's what I should be doing. And so I created my own group and, you know, I think it's going to give me more potential to grow than just the standard way of promoting my content. And it's the same type of stuff with, you know, with YouTube, it's, it's just um, looking what others aren't doing. Cause you know, I, like in that video, I just made um, recently about, you know, my 500 subscriber milestone video, there's a whole bunch of different, like very actionable steps you can take to promote your content. And for example, like doing group collaboration videos specifically gets you a lot more exposure because everybody in the group promotes the video. And a lot of people just do like a simple collaboration between two creators. It's like, you're missing out on the potential of making a group video. Cause then it's just, and usually the retention is great. You know, what's a group video. Like, what do you, what do you, what is that? Well, I've made two and what, basically what we did for these videos was like, we were all talking about that one topic, but each in our own way, like a part of it or a separate tip. And so it's like the first people to watch the video, that's usually the people that are in the video. So the retention is just great because you're waiting to get to your part or you're getting uh, through the whole video and you're sharing with your family and friends that are more likely to watch it. So again, really good user data, you know, for YouTube and, and family and friends are promoting it because their family members are in it. And it just, it just, so, you know, it's just all about thinking big, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. What, what, when you started your Facebook group, how did you, like, I want to know this. How did you get like the first subscribers? Not like, how did you start it? Like when there's five people on it, like you just invite, cause I like, I literally, I'm sure how I joined was I searched Facebook or YouTube groups or something where it recommended it. And that's how I clicked it. I don't know if I, I don't even know what the group's called. Like what was the actual name of it called? So the name is YouTubers Grow Together. And I will tell you exactly what to do because you should have your own Facebook group and yours will take you. It'll take off. Like literally all you have to do is uh, I did this accidentally. I didn't realize how important this was, but first get into a bunch of groups and see what you like and what you don't. And actually I would write it down because like for me, it pissed me off that either I couldn't promote my content or it didn't get any engagement. So it's like, if that bothers me, that bothers other people too. So you need to create a group that fills a void. So then once you do that, you want specifically on Facebook, this doesn't always apply with other platforms, but with Facebook, you want to invite every single friend on your Facebook group, on your Facebook, excuse me, because you, you need members to get members. So until your group gets to be about a thousand members, even if half of them are, are like, you know, dead members, they don't really interact. It won't grow because nobody will follow the group, you know, and my group might have been recommended to you because of the engagement rate. So you do have to engage a lot with people in your group. You know, because if that engagement isn't happening, it's not necessarily going to get promoted. Yeah, if you if you can get those initial members and an initial thousand or so, then people see the group and they start joining. And, and you want to let everyone join, but then just kick problem children out. Because again, it's numbers breed numbers. And it, and you can literally see in my analytics, it's just a straight line up. It's like a, everybody's dream stock, you know, because people see the group's getting bigger, so they join the group. And you want to pick a name for your group that is what people actually type into, you know, the search engine. Like YouTubers grow together. That's, you know, growing and YouTube, those are key words. And so it makes the group more discoverable. And there's actually such a thing as SEO for Facebook groups. And I didn't understand that. I just accidentally did it right. And, and so, so it's, it's taken off. And 
you know, one day it'll be, you know, a hundred thousand members and I can only imagine how much it's going to help me in other ways. You know, I've already had people reach out to me and be like, can I, you know, pin my, you know, thing at the top of the group and how much does it cost? And I'm what? Like, All righty. <laughs> and, and, and it's still technically a small group, you know? Yeah. I'm like, all right, <laughs> this is work. This is working. So I would create your own, your own group for your podcast. That's what I do. And just find some way to, to fill a space that's not currently filled. Yeah. And you can funnel people right to your awesome podcast. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I don't have that, but I have like, I'm mostly on, which I didn't think I would be, but like I use probably Facebook more than anything to like, just connect with people. They're probably just like 200 people who are connected with. It's like, Hey, check this out. And I bet a hundred would, because it's, it pertains to the exact thing they're wanting, you know? Oh yeah. I don't have to do that. It's have like a random business page and it keeps getting, like, I'll say, oh, your thing got 10 views. I'm like, who the hell's looking at this? So people are obviously checking out my name, seeing that there's this business page, which is nothing on it. But if, if people are obviously looking at that, you know, I literally changed my profile to like the podcast page or the, you know, like a, it's just content creators library, whatever. It's like link below and stuff like that. Cause I know I check out links. I check out the profile page of like, we all do. I check out. So like, if so, if I saw that it pertained to me, you know, like if you had your YouTube group, grow your YouTube channel, blah, blah, you know, link below, people would click that. Yeah. You know, you, you actually kind of bring up an interesting point because Part of me wishes I wouldn't have made the group connected to my personal Facebook because then it mixes YouTube notification or YouTube Facebook notifications with my personal notifications from friends. But then also I wonder if it helps because when they click on me as admin or whatever, they can see, you know, I'm a real person. And yeah. then and then they're like, Oh, I want to be a part of this group with a real admin that's there and we'll talk to them, you know, because that's missing in other groups. You get there and there's just silence, you know? Yeah. It's not being random. It's not me. I mean, I get there's 500,000 followers, but like, it's not, there's no, you know, they'll come in at once a month. I'm like, oh, I'm cleaning up your guys' mess because you suck because you keep posting. You know, it's like, no one wants that. You know, we want someone to like, to run it. Like if you're running it, I think that makes more sense to, to actually run a group. And there's like groups that do, or like, you know, business type stuff that like their whole business is built on a Facebook group of getting them in there taking up some value ladders to, to buy this product because they, they want to learn it. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you could use it as a funnel for making money, but I just think it should be the, a byproduct of a successful development yeah. of a platform, not just like the only purpose. Cause yeah. I think people like to connect with a person. And so they'll be able to do that on my group with me. Yeah. And some of those are too, they're too salesy. Like they're too, you're been to those groups, DM me 35 to get, 35% off, I don't, you know. Or like you must subscribe to their channel before you can join the group. I hate that, you know, or, you know, you must like their page. <laughs> no, I'm not. I wish there was a dislike button, you know. Oh, I've seen that. It's like, do, will you support me in the questions? Now that I'll support you, your channel, it sucks. Like it's not even, I mean, I'm just like, it's not even, <laughs> it's also random, whatever, right? Nothing to do with anything I would ever watch. No, I'm not supporting you. But if you want exactly. to join it, you have to click yes. Do you have any uh, parting words for future YouTubers? I guess I would just say that you can't do it over. And so getting it right at the beginning can really help you feel better later on. And what I mean by that is like, 
I just posted videos when I was done with them. I didn't show them to anybody and they weren't, you know, ready. And so now, you know, that's my starting point and it's there for all to see forever. Whereas if I had taken a little more time to make sure I knew what I was doing and that I got the video right, then at least even if it slowed my growth down, I could look back with more pride. And I think that's what we forget. We do need to practice a lot to get better, but we don't have to necessarily just put it up in front of all for everyone to see, you know? And, and so just doing your research beforehand, you know, I talked to a lot of people and they like, didn't learn about YouTube at all before they started. I actually binge watched a lot before I started, which did help. It's really applying that information. That's the problem sometimes is you learn about it, but then you're not actually doing it when you get home to make your video. And then the videos don't turn out well. And you blame other things when it's like, it's, it's your video that you made, that you edited. I mean, there's an algorithm part, but if it's, if your thumbnails suck, like if they, it's, it's all on you, which no one wants to hear, but that's the reality, you know, you need yeah. to get better, but no one wants to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. But that's the reality is you need to get better. Yeah. Just feedback, feedback, feedback is yeah. my, my tip. I, I would get feedback on your video, on your thumbnail, you know, every aspect of that creation process just, and listen, cause it's, it's hard. It's hard to listen. Cause usually you'll be told you need to redo the video but then you'll be so much happier when you do post and it gets a ton of views. And that's so, probably the worst. Yeah. It's all like, redo the whole video. You're like, what? Cause it was it, so much work at the beginning. Yeah. But yeah. you know, people, people get on the platform and they don't have all these skills. Like I've been doing this for almost two years and I still am struggling with like a lot of the design aspects. Like it's just not something that I had a ton of experience in and, and it's worth taking the time learning those skills, you know, and cause I help a ton. So there was two questions from your YouTube community tab. One was from Shadow Jimmy 45. What is the most common mistake new, you, new YouTubers make when it comes to retention? Oh, I would say that, and I made this mistake myself. You can see in my old videos, it's a long, awkward intro. You know, you feel as a new creator, like you need to explain who you are because nobody knows. The problem is, is because nobody knows you, they don't care. And so, you know, you, you have to really, I would say my number one tip would be to plan out the first 30 seconds of your video, all about retention. You know, literally how can you make it as engaging and sell your video and pull people in? Cause really in the first 30 seconds, really the first 15 is when people decide whether or not they're going to watch a video. And so sometimes I will actually plan that out as its own separate thing in my notes, you know, before I start the video so that you know, hopefully I can grab people's attention. And when I've gotten it right, I can see it instantly in my analytics. You know, just whoop. That's it. Yeah. So. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I've tried doing that with the podcast where I'm, you know, I'm totally learning this. Well, I'll put like the main part or something. Like if you just said, I don't know, you know, like, like you suck if you do this. I don't know. Like I'll put that on. It's like a cold start, the first 20, 10 seconds or whatever. You'd be like, what the hell is this about? You know, then you start the intro just a little bit, you know, and then you go into it. But it, it, get, it gets that hook of like, what the hell is this even about? You know, like, you suck. Don't start your channel. Whatever it is, you're just like, what? You know? Yeah, and it pulls people in. It creates yeah. that curiosity. Like, mm, yeah. what happened? That's a whole, I mean, like with YouTube, if you click on a, to me, if you click on a podcast, listen to it, like I'm almost going to listen to it a chunk of the way before I finish. But it's just like a YouTube channel. Like your video, just, you can swipe it away. Like pod, I can't swipe through a podcast, like, you know, so it's yeah. a little easier versus video. 
it looks boring, just nope. Next video. Yeah. And I would just say to a newer creator, focus only on your audience retention and your average view duration, all those watching metrics. I mean, I know we all want to get lots of views when those clicks, but really, if you can keep people watching, if people are behaving well during the video, that's what, that's what matters, you know, because that's what you need to be learning to do is entertain the viewer. It's, it's fascinating because like a lot of the research indicates though, that if you can make a thumbnail that's super, super clickable, that that's what's going to get you promoted. But the problem is, is YouTube will figure out if people instantly dip out, like even if it's starting a viewing session, it's not really a valuable video. And so it won't do well. But if you have really great retention, like you're saying, it's valuable because they can put those ads and, you know, they're all about making money. So. So the, one other question from Milliken Honey Breastfeeding said, with a discussion on the mind games starting in YouTube, you know, she just watched a rubber band bit video. It's, I think what she's saying is like the, the stereotype of like, I'm a YouTuber and she's a professional. Should you be on YouTube? Cause she's in this professional field and like, you know, I'm a lawyer, but I'm on a, I'm a YouTuber, you know, like, like, I don't think it's the same as back then when being a YouTuber was weird. I don't even think you have to call yourself a YouTuber. You can just be like content creator or something. Like you don't even have to say you're just chilling, chilling at home, making YouTube. Like you don't have to say that. Especially the new generation. That's the, the creator economy is blowing up. You always see it. I mean, if you ever search the statistics, it's like doubling know, year over year, but like 2020, it's like freaking going crazy. Oh yeah. I mean, maybe back in the day it was a problem, but she's actually doing it the right way because, you know, really the biggest tip that I would have for you, and I learned this one the wrong, the wrong way is the hard way, is it, you want to, the, the, the key to growing on YouTube is basically credibility and personality. And if she's already credible in her, you know, area of expertise, then people are going to be a lot more likely to watch her stuff. And if she can just find what's awesome about her personality and weave that into her content, then you've got the two key ingredients for video performance and channel performance, you know, and I think, you know, her channel can just be something that, you know, adds more credibility to where she's already licensed and credible, you know? And so it, it, I don't think it's weird anymore. Probably back in the day, it was weird to be a YouTuber, but now it's just a, a way to funnel people to her business. Hope you like the show. Our internet connection kind of messed with in, so there's no goodbyes or anything, but he did say goodbye. I'll drop the link in the description. Literally check out his channel. If you want to grow your YouTube channel, he's the man for you. Now, like I said, really quick, I have two questions in a Google document. Just click it. You don't got to sign it or anything. Tell me what you think about starting a Facebook group. This Facebook group will talk about monetizing your audience, leveraging their problems, providing solutions to them by making digital online products. So basically eBooks, courses, stuff like that, starting email lists, all those type of things. That's what the Facebook group would be about. And I just want to know your opinion of it. Would you join that group? Would you not? Two questions. Appreciate it. I all hope you have a great day. Keep creating content.